Okay, welcome to uh, the Downtown Den, and we're delighted to be joined by Tom Reardon, who's the Chief Executive of Leeds City Council. Tom and I had been hoping to be enjoying at least a glass of lemonade face-to-face -to -face today in the fine city that is Leeds, but unfortunately, because of what's been happening with restrictions, new guidelines and so on, uh, we moved the event to a virtual one. Uh, and I don't think, Tom, that... Um, I'm particularly wise and clear on what the advice, guidance, what tier leads us in at the moment. So perhaps you could give us the latest update for people. Yeah, thanks, Frank, and good to see you. Sorry we can't do it in person, but I'm sure that time will come soon. Um, and good to uh, be in touch with everybody online. Um, yeah, we, we are, we're in tier two at the moment, um, and uh, that's the, the, you know, the high alert tier. And, and pretty similar, actually, to the restrictions that much of West Yorkshire, um, Bradford, Kirklees and Collardale have been in through the last few months and Leeds joined a couple of weeks ago. The good thing on tier two, from our perspective, is that it changed slightly to, um, to allow outdoor mixing within the rule of six, but was much clearer about indoor mixing. Um, not being between households, which uh, before was slightly blurred. And so we feel it's a simpler message to be able to get across to people um, and one that gives us a fighting chance of, um, you know, slowing the, the increase in case rates that we'd seen in Leeds. Um, we, uh, we, we're in discussion with the government at the moment, and I've just come off quite a constructive call that we've had with them. Um, and we'll be continuing discussions with them about what the numbers are doing. I think we're all particularly looking at the um, the the student numbers, which we know were one of the big reasons for Leeds going up, and they have thankfully started to come down now. Um, we we've got our universities, our six universities in Leeds, all working really really well together. They've some have set up their own test and trace units, and um, and that has made quite a difference to the to the numbers. So we we've seen them stabilising over the last few days. Um, and that's good news. We um, we still have spread right across the city, though, in every ward, and so we're we're very concerned. We're concerned about increasing hospitalisations um, and the fl the flow that that will have through to ICU cases, and you know, um, obviously, tragically, mortality. So we're we're really we're really concerned about the increased levels. We're we're quite. Um, comfortable and supportive of being in tier two um politically and you know as officers and directors of public health and um and we're looking really really closely at the numbers now over the next few days with with the starting with the government next week um to to just see you know what what we need to do to to make sure that this stabilization continues and and hopefully starts to push the numbers down so um, it's obviously very fluid, as you know, from the from across the north. You know, you'll have everybody will have picked up the um, the, the quite um, you know lively atmosphere there is at the moment um, about these issues. But from Leeds's perspective and West Yorkshire's perspective, we currently are in in tier two and we're in dialogue with the government. We've just started today the dialogue with the government, and there's no in, imminent change over the weekend. I would say. Okay, because we've just heard the news that Lancashire, of course, has been put into T3. Um, 
And there, unlike Liverpool, they've negotiated that gyms can stay open. So obviously, if you're a gym user in Liverpool, you're far more effective than a gym user in Lancashire. Uh, and then, of course, there's all those other anomalies that I could put to you, but I'm not going to because I'm sure you've talked these through from time to time. But Tom, you know, you're in a job where the array of services that you as a local authority provide you're very clear that communication is key. And whatever your politics are, you can't possibly suggest that there has been a clarity of communication and messaging around this crisis over the past few months. Yeah, I, I think the, um, I think one of the, one of the problems we've got into as a country, I think, is that we've, we've sort of become very, um, uh, you know, focused on the restrictions themselves and which level of restrictions and which nuances and what you can't do and what the rules are rather than the the outcome that we want people to understand that the basic thing is is if you keep your distance from people then then you won't catch this virus um and and uh, and also if you do have symptoms you need to get a test and then self-isolate. And what self-isolating means is is actually staying in your house um, or your or your flat. It, it doesn't mean sort of nipping out to the shops and you know maybe going out for a meal just maybe once a week rather than uh, rather than more, whatever. And so I, I think I think there's a need to sort of regroup around all that in a way, um, and hopefully use this next phase to to get across to people that through the winter, because because you know what and. I think the other thing is people have found it quite hard to plan ahead. Yeah. And, and what we've been trying to say is, you know, let, let, we need to look ahead to half term, to um, Halloween, and bonfire night, to Christmas shopping, um, you know, the, the Christmas break, um, and then the new year when you often get NHS admissions going up. We, we need to be sort of collectively planning together as places, as local and national government, as the NHS and social care, all of these things need to be done sort of to a plan. And I think the problem we've got at the moment is people are, you know, every day almost there's a new, there's a new twist and a new headline. And, you know, we sort of been driven back into the trenches rather than driven together. And I think, you know, when I was doing the national role, I was tried to over and over get across that, we need the strongest possible partnership between the national and the local level because if we don't have that, we'll get that, you know, um, mixed messages and communication and lack of buy-in. And feels like we're there at the moment. We need to put that right and do a reset. And it's not just about restrictions; it's about actually the whole relationship between the the national and the local state and businesses. And you know, we, we've been incredibly worried about our business base um, and the impact of you know some of the proposed restrictions on the uh, you know not just on obviously on the hospitality sector on the freelancers on the events industry the creative and cultural sector all of that um, and and in addition the knock-on to to others like retail in particular so yeah uh, we, we've got to have a bit of a reset moment in the next few weeks um, or we're going to pay the price and I think the frustrating thing from the business community's perspective, Tom, is that although we're all concerned about health, you know, we've all got 
relatives, we've all got loved ones that we want to keep safe from the virus. Uh, but of course, we want to keep our businesses going. We want to keep our livelihoods. We want to keep people in jobs. And that balance appears to have been lost. And I mean, again, this is from the outside looking in. You'd be closer to conversations with civil servants than I am. Um, but it seems that for some reason, the Treasury have decided that October is the cutoff point for the sort of comprehensive level of business support that may have been able to get us through the next quarter as a business community. You, you'll be as aware as I am, Tom. You can't, in places like Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester, put hospitality in a box, come up with some sort of cobbled together package for those guys, but then not look after the ecosystem behind that because it impacts on every walk of business life, doesn't it? Not just those people that are directly affect, affected by a closed down. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, what would I say? So, so first of all, I would say that in some ways, Whitehall's had a crash course on the economic geography yeah. in the last six months. So they, they sort of know where, where places are a lot more. Um, and it's, there are, it used to be certain departments would know and others wouldn't really. And, and so I've been in, you know, I've been involved in helping that learning curve, if you like. And, and anyone who knows the north of England and has, has worked in it, either as a business or, a, you know, in the public sector over the last 20, 30 years, knows that the, 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 the north of England has changed in many ways over the last 20 years, 30 years. And part of it has changed and part of it hasn't. So the part of it that hasn't is that inbuilt massive level of poverty and inequality that we know is still in there in the the communities across the the north and like many countries across the western world we we've not whatever government it's been of the last 30 years hasn't shifted that really inbuilt um poverty and inequality but one thing that has changed over the last 20 years is that our cities the great cities of the north have regenerated themselves and our city centres particularly have become drivers of economic growth and have, have been places that, whereas, you know, back in the day, you might have been a bit, you know, not that bothered about going to. I could stand here and talk and wax lyrical about any of the major cities of the north and say what a great place they are. What I, lo I love going to them. I love meeting with the people and the businesses. And um, there's a sort of vibrancy that's been built back up that, you know, I, th I think if you don't, if you haven't experienced that and you haven't lived through that, mm. it's sort of hard to get across to people down in London. Yeah. Because London, so it sort of happens by, by, by it's been there all the way through that. And, and so I, I, I've been trying to get across to people how worried I am about losing that. And, and our city centres in those great cities are so fundamental to the future of the north of England. We are in danger and at risk in the next few weeks and next quarter of losing what's been built up over, over those decades. And, and, I'm, and it sounds like you, you're overstating it, but I'm not overstating it by saying that there are some fantastic businesses that I know who, who will be fantastic businesses into the future. But if we don't get them the support or don't get this right for the next phase, then we're going to lose them. And that's I can guarantee you that whichever city you're in, 
the, the leaders, political and, and uh, civic leaders, chief execs, have been making that point. And, um, and, and, and we, need to, we need to be continuing to make that point collectively. So if we're going into new restrictions, we've got to have the compensation and the support for those sectors who are going to be most affected by that. And that includes hospitality and others, but it, it goes wider than that as well, as you've just said. Yeah. And Tom, you were, as you've mentioned briefly, involved in the national discussions over test and trace and the app and, and getting that in place. Uh, some progress has been made, but I'm sure you'd be the first to concede, not where we would have hoped to have been at this point in time, are we? No, I mean, I... You know, the, the, I'm very proud of the local system and the way it's working. I, I was brought in back in May for a few weeks to um, in the summer to almost recreate what the, the German model is based on, which is the very localised approach to um, making sure that you, you, you work in with the local community to prevent outbreaks and making sure your workplaces that are higher risk have got the right things in place and working with schools and um, the the, um, the the care home um, sector to make sure that we've got the right arrangements in place to make that work. And and I'm quite proud of the fact that all of that is working pretty well. The uh, the mm -hmm. contact tracing element of the localised part of the system is is hitting 97, 98%. So, um, so I'm, I'm very, you know, clear that that bit of the system is working. When, when I left, um, we put in place the contained framework, this localised system of so-called lockdowns. They're not actually lockdowns as we think about it in the spring, but let's, let's call it that for shorthand. You know, in principle, the idea that you, you try to avoid closing everyone down in the country because one part of the country has got a spike is, has got to be right um, in economic terms. But um, the bit that's missing still is that national you know, follow-up system and that national um, data transfer and linking to that local working because that's not still missing quite a lot of people. So when I left, we'd agreed it was gonna go local by default and we're gonna push more down to that local level. And I hope that that continues because it, you're right, it's not, it's not where it needs to be. Um, the app is actually quite good. I think the new app that's been developed, unlike the old one that had these concerns about you know privacy and everything the app's been taken up by i think about 15 million people which is really good i've got it myself it's a very easy way to check into venues instead of filling all different things in you just scan your phone and it's there and um, with the qr code um and and it's the basis of something that could could add something so i think there are elements of the system that have worked others haven't and, I, you know, I did speak to the Chancellor recently and, you know, and, and have talked to others about the situation economically. You know, I have sympathy for the people at the centre. This is not, you know, no one wrote a playbook on this pandemic. Um, you know, there's no sort of script you can go to. And the, the, the judgments are judgments of Solomon in many respects, you know, between the economy and the rest. And they have spent as much as the, first, the Second World War, I think, already. But... We're not, you know, if you, if you look at what we just talked about, you've got to improve the system to get it to work locally. Um, or, you know, we're missing huge amounts of contacts and we've got to get that right. And, and just finally on the pandemic, Tom, because I do want to move on to some more positive, upbeat things that we can uh, look to in the future. 
I think the other frustrating thing now is the data and how it's being used, how it's being, um, if I can say this, um, it seems to me that there's a picking and choosing of data depending on where you are. I mean, this, this latest one is totally baffling to me. Whereas, you know, as I say, you can go to a gym in Lancashire, but not in Liverpool. I just can't get my head around that. I can only assume that's going to change by the end of the day, surely. Um, but when we're looking at these stats and this data, are you clear what is driving government policy? Is it the R8? Is it hospital admissions? Or is it something else? Um, I think the R8 is actually quite hard to calculate and it has a sort of lag factor usually. So I, um, I do think that that isn't actually the main, I think that's, that's in the sort of background and there are things that make that up that, that drive it. I, to be really honest with you, I think the thing that has driven things most, that has accelerated things most recently is the level of hospitalizations. That, that is, that is the figure that um, that that is the 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 one that has has really worried everybody, and and those levels are going up. And the 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 other two elements which are really important, and I've been in these national discussions myself, so I can say this very clearly, um, are the case rate per hundred thousand, um, which is the the seven day daily case rate that you'll have seen quoted quite often. That has gone up quite considerably in all the cities um, often driven by the student return to university um, but but seeping out now into the older population so the case rate per hundred thousand um, and and the element of that of the over 60s is the bit that they're most concerned about now so that's sort of driving the the worries um, and that varies, so it's a bit lower in places like Leeds and um, the ones that have been really affected by the universities than it is in, in some other places. Um, and the third one is the positivity rate and the trend of that. So basically how many people that you test, test positive. Um, and that, that has gone up quite a lot, but it's stabilising now in Leeds. So we're, it's, it's probably those three Frank, that are the ones that I would say are driving things that the most. Okay. Thanks for that, Tom. As I say, listen, I don't want the whole conversation to be about COVID because uh, Friday and we should be uh, getting ready for the weekend as an Evertonian. I'm looking forward to turning over the Reds tomorrow. Do right. Uh, wow. <laughs> the new world's pretty good for you at the moment. <laughs> yeah, apart from the fact we can't go and watch them. But anyway... Uh yeah. And of course, Leeds, after all these years, finally getting the Premier League. Uh, but listen, let, let's uh, let's let's hope that that will change. But can I mention that, Frank? Just of you can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think it's worth reflecting on. I mean, we've anybody you've talked to in Leeds over the last decade. You know, I've, I've I can almost say almost nine out of ten business conversations that I have with people about over the last the time I've been in Leeds over the last ten years. Virtually every conversation at the end, we've been talking about transport or the economy or, you know, the, um, you know, the council and, you know, the planet, housing, you know, whatever you want. Everyone would throw in at the last minute. And you know what we really need, Tom? Premiership football. <laughs> and, um, and we finally got it. And uh, or they're throwing devolution. And we've got that as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Plus we're 
a bloody pandemic at the same time. But um, I think the, the factor of Leeds going up, but not just that, but I can say this as a Borough fan, you know, Leeds, Leeds United have got the history, but they, they weren't always the most loved team in the 70s, let's say, by everybody else. And they sort of reveled in that a lot. I think Leeds fans, sort of, it's part of their DNA. But now they're actually quite quite popular, you know, they're, they're, and with Bielsa, with the Bielsa factor, I mean, he's box office in terms of global news in football because he's so revered and he's such an interesting character with good values and, you know, attention to detail and all that stuff that make that fascinates people. So we've got all this spotlight on us, but as you say, we can't go and watch it as well. So it's, but it's such a step forward for the city. Yeah. And of course, what you've still got, despite the fact that we're in pandemic and you can't get the crowds in, it is that global uh, coverage of the Premier League. So Leeds is back on the map as far as that's concerned, which is great, isn't it? It is. And we've got great role models like Calvin Phillips and, uh, you know, uh, we've, we've got, um, you know, the, the, the I don't know if any of you saw the documentary about Rob Burrow yesterday, the other day. And, you know, what an amazing guy. Um, what, a, what a fantastically inspiring story in hard times that, you know, you, you sort of, pull yourself up thinking oh, I'm bothered about all these Zoom calls I've got to do you know look what Rob's going through and his family um, and, you know and the Rhinos at Wembley tomorrow as well you know so you know there are lots of good things happening mm. and more good things to come Tom because you've mentioned there the devolution deal and that's certainly being discussed I've noticed one or two high profile figures throwing the hat in the ring to, to be the first mayor I won't ask you to comment on that obviously um, I can't I'm Learning officer, so uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, the one thing I would say is, you know, as we've seen in in Manchester, I suppose particularly, but in Birmingham as well with Andy Street, and of course in London, Sadiq Khan's been there for a while. They've had a there for a long time. That these high-profile positions uh, attract high-profile people uh, and can give you a, a different type of platform. I know Judith's great, and you've got other great leaders in West Yorkshire. But that elected mayor does assume a more authoritative role uh, and the soft power that those people carry. And I think Andy Burnham in particular has used this over the past couple of weeks. Well, probably say the last few months uh, can be significant. Can't it? And when we talk about moving forward and those more positive conversations we're going to have, um, then that role is going to be crucial for you guys. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, it's a big step forward that we've got devolution. We've got one of the best deals that's been negotiated, 38 million a year of free, flexible money. Um, it's like gold dust at the moment, really. Uh, that and with, you know, it's both revenue and capital funding. So, you know, there's a lot we could do with that. Um, and yeah, I, I think the mayoral model is something that, you know, when you talk to local politicians, there's a, in a city like Leeds that, you know, it's it's an interesting debate because Leeds rejected a, a mayoral model a few years ago, as many cities did, for the city itself. Um, because Leeds is quite a, it, it's what I call a sort of pluralist city. It's, it's never going to be a one-party state. It's widely drawn boundaries. It's got, you know, different political groups on the council and it probably always will have. Um, and so it, it sort of defines the city in many ways that they don't like the idea of a single person having all the power. So, so that's why, you know, that there's a, that I think that's why it was rejected originally. And that's why, 
you've got people like you know Judith Blake who come in and and play a very strong leadership role, but are quite collaborative as well because they realise they've got to work across the city, across sectors as well, particularly with the business community. I think the metro model, um, you know, the, the the one that we're talking about, probably does lend itself a bit more to that singularity rather than local government um, because you. you you know, with the best will in the world, it's really important stuff, but it's not life and death work like you do at that local level. Um, it, it, it is slightly one step removed from, you know, the, the white heat of NHS and social care or, you know, shutting libraries down and things like that. Um, and it, in dealing with transport and the economy, you, you've got to look across boundaries as well. So. Yeah, I, I think I think it's an exciting time. I really hope that we get somebody who wants to be collaborative, work with Leeds, you know, and, and can can see the city for where it is and what where we need to go next. So, you know, I'm sure we'll will the people of the good people of West Yorkshire will elect someone someone like that. I'm looking forward to the to the question about where they're going to base the headquarters. <laughs> um, the first question, uh, because that'll be the the one that'll set the hairs running to start with so let's see <laughs> well, for what it's worth and you know somebody who's a politician in Lancashire and lives in Liverpool but has had a business in Leeds for a number of years now my my votes with uh, with Leeds but it would be wouldn't it um I'm sure that's not going to influence anyone uh, no, I so. I'm sure it'll go where they want it to <laughs> um but in terms of where Leeds was at pre-pandemic and the plans that are still in place, as you say, you've got a devolution deal to look forward to. We've now got Premier League football in the city. Uh, and then, of course, Channel 4. Uh, that bid was won. And that is, uh, again, fabulous opportunity uh, to look forward to. And I'm sure where has not been totally paused in terms of that move. No, I was meeting uh, Sinead Rocks actually only uh, last week and we were having a great conversation about you know the fact that despite all the financial challenges for channel four they're full speed ahead with their all nation four nations work and uh, the leeds office opening um which is going to be fantastic in uh, city square you know with the old majestic building uh, regenerated um fantastically well um and um you know that that is going to become a a very iconic i think home for for channel four as as you as you arrive into the city and we just opened a consultation asking for an international competition to redesign city square um we've got uh, you know the, the the levels of construction have not been hit as hard as you might fear through the pandemic um so so all the all the fundamentals of the leeds economy are, and the reasons why Channel 4 chose Leeds and so did Burberry and Sky and even the political parties putting the headquarters there these days now as well. You know, the, 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 all those reasons are still there um, and it's hard at this time. It's, it feels like quite a dark time at the moment for everybody. I realise even with the nights coming in and, you know, the second wave, you know, right in the middle of the second wave and and everything else but we will we will find a vaccine we will see a brighter 2021 you know whether that is right at the start or maybe in the spring or the summer who knows but i'm i'm confident that we'll get to a point next year where you know we will we will have a be more back to the normality that we had before the pandemic than now um 
and when we get to that point, I just think there's going to be such a release of energy. You know, people so happy to be be able to go to football matches, music gigs, meet up at business events like you know downtowns. You know, again, just just have that interaction with people. Um, you know, I think that's going to be a great release of energy, and and Channel Four being part of that, you know, is is going to be a is going to be brilliant for our TV and film industry, our creative sector. And we're working hard with them on the, uh, you know, making sure that the full city region feels the impact of that. It's not just Leeds and things like Beyond Bronte's, these great programmes we've got for young underprivileged kids who, you know, want to come through, underrepresented groups who want to come through the, the industry is, uh, are working really well. So, yeah, lots to look forward to with Channel 4 and others. That's really exciting time. That, the, the other thing that we've been talking about in other cities over the past week, looking forward to 2021 is something that Leeds have done a great job in the city region uh, in terms of promoting the region to uh, the, the MIPIM delegates. And of course, yeah. that ordinarily takes place in March. It's now been moved back to June. Not sure where you guys are up to with that, Tom. Any update? Um, we're still uh, we're, we're still considering next steps on that. I think we, we're uh, you know we'll still be part of MIPIM, um, whatever wherever it is and whatever happens. I think it's one of those where I used to call it a necessary evil. Uh, people might feel going to the south of France and um, meeting a lot of uh, business people would be fall into that category. But uh, you know it's it's not it, it's not my favourite. Uh, experience let's say but uh you know it, it's a really important moment for cities like ours to engage with a group of professionals and business business people who congregate together in the same place and you, and it, you can sort of fast forward a lot of um work in that moment because everybody's in the same place at the same time it's quite an interesting dynamic actually what i also think we need to do though is is look at other you know other elements of smart cities conference in barcelona you know the uh the uh, mobile technology um conferences the you know we're doing our work with mit in boston and cities like sydney and oslo you know whatever happens particularly i think as we come out of the european union we've got to have that international perspective um and and have and speak to and work with like-minded people in uh, in cities across the world because uh you know, we, Leeds will continue to be a globally engaged and interested city um, through this next phase, including through MIPIM. Okay. And the final point, Tom, from me is that, you know, the Northern Powerhouse has clearly uh, been a brand that's been around for a number of years now. It was launched by George Osborne in Leeds, actually. Seen very much, I think, initially as uh, building a, a very strong access in terms of connectivity, at least transport-wise, between Leeds and Manchester, but of course Newcastle, Liverpool, and everywhere in between as part of that uh, brand. Um, again, your thoughts and to where that particular project is at the moment, particularly when you're facing the likes of this pandemic. When, as I've mentioned, you know Liverpool and Lancashire in Tier Three, Leeds in Tier Two, Manchester fighting and scrapping to stay out of tier three and you know newcastle being under firmer lockdown uh, for some time now is there still that collaboration that appetite of working together people still keen 
to see that powerhouse form as, as one and, and move together on things like HS2, high-speed rail for the north and so on? Oh, without a doubt, I think in the north, the appetite's there for that collaboration. In fact, I've just come off a call with uh, all the uh, northern city leaders and mayors and chief execs um, of the of the cities. Um, so we we work together incredibly closely, um, and you know Joanne and uh, Tony, Pat, um, and and the new appointee coming into uh, Sheffield, Kate Josephs, who's a, who's a friend of mine actually. She's she's going to be fantastic. A great appointment. For Sheffield, I'm very excited about that for them. Um, I, I think we're gonna, you know, we're gonna see that collaboration continue. We, we, that's the way we work. It's, it's a default for us these days, Frank. What we're not seeing, I think, is the follow-up, you know, nationally to, to, to make that real and and have substance. And I'd like to see, you know, I think we should judge the uh, the next phase of the uh, the 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 uh the, the the budget and the announcements in the autumn later in the autumn about whether the government's serious about northern powerhouse tom i know that this is the busiest of busy times for you you've always got plenty on your plate but at the moment it must just be overflowing so we're not going to keep you for longer than we have to it's been great to see you we're really looking forward to a live event hopefully sooner rather than later uh, good luck with everything you're doing, mate, and, and thanks very much for joining us in the downtown den today. Thanks, Frank. Great to see you. Great to see everybody. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Bye now. Bye.